Discerning the heart. Before I get into the text, I want to ask you all a couple of questions to think about while we move into this sermon. Number one, are we all aware that we now have an insight and increased awareness of our thought lives? Two, do we understand our motives and intentions of our actions? And furthermore, do we see the difference of darkness and light in our own lives and in other people's lives? And if the world would look at you, non-believers or anyone else in this world, would they see Christ in you? Think about these questions as they will apply to your heart, your lives, and others around you. Let's take a look in our text. If I may ask, can everyone stand for the reading of the Word of God? We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 1. This is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warn those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. The test. I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. But we pray to God that you may not do wrong. Not that we may appear to do not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I'm away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. You may all be seated. Father, we just come before you tonight. I thank you for this honor, this privilege to stand in your pulpit and to preach to your congregation and to serve them and to serve you. Father, I pray that we may understand the reality of the world that we live in. That there is a world out there, the flesh, the devil, that come against us as the church who are filled with your Holy Spirit. And it is crucial that we have discernment in today's world, that we may be able to discern what is good and what is evil, what is truth and what is error 
what is heresy and what is your word. For there have many that have crept in the church, O Lord. So open up the hearts of your saints today, God. And let us truly understand how powerful your word is. And how powerful it is as our weapon against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And how powerful it is against all the lies that we may come against. In Jesus' name, amen. If any of you know, in Corinthians... The church, Corinth itself is a very sinful city. And this is the third time that Paul is writing to the Corinthians. And this is a, a stern warning. If you heard the words in the text, it is a very stern warning. He says, this is the third time I am coming to you. Every charge must be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. I warn those who have sinned before and all the others. And I warn them now while absent, as I did when present on my second visit, that if I come again, I will not spare them. Paul is writing to them a third time. Do we see how stubborn the human heart can be? That we just sin over and over and over again. I have some commentary by Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he states that there was no change, a modification of the old life. That there may not be an inner working of the Holy Spirit in you, but rather a modification of your outward appearance to meet some standard of morals. That won't last too long. Because there has to be backed up by holiness and righteousness in you. The dynamic of the born-again nature brings stimulated. It's being stimulated and counterfeited. The difference is in the effort of the will of the mind. An example. Moral man, maybe without the Holy Spirit, modifies his life to a certain extent. They modify their own life in their actions and in their thoughts. This is something you need to discern. He also states that the effect of sin on the human mind, an empty, vacant, uncritical mind, active impulse on first thought, not able to discern clearly a lack of reason, a failure to ask oneself some questions, the enemy comes and shoots fiery darts and we act upon them. There comes a time where when we weren't born again, and we need to discern this, that we were under the bondage of sin. We were slaves to it. And we would act on impulse. We, did, we wouldn't discern in our minds, in our, in our thoughts, to understand why we did that action. But we would carry it out anyway, without any thought of what it could mean in the eyes of Almighty God, who sees all things, hearts, motives, actions, creeds, it doesn't matter. He sees everything. You are naked before the Lord. Praise be to God for Christ who did pay our debt Thank you, Jesus. and who covers us at every 
angle. This is the effect of sin on the human mind. It's vacant. It's empty. It's uncritical. You act on impulse on the first thought. It comes and you act. If we go into verses um, 3 and 4, can we get that up there? I will read. Since you seek proof that Christ is speaking in me, he is not weak in dealing with you, but is powerful among you. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. For we are also weak in him, but in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Paul reminds the Corinthians that Christ was crucified in weakness. Yet he lives by God's power. As Paul is weak, he will deal with them. Not by himself, but with God's power and authority that he has given him. Just some thoughts about this. We relate to this as we are all weak in our flesh, in our lives. We desperately need the grace of God. It's God's power we live by. It's His sustaining grace in our lives that keeps us from falling. It's the only way we can survive in this fallen world of sin. I forgot where this quote, I think it was R.C. Sproul. He says, if we can lose our salvation, we would. No doubt about it. (laughs) We would not follow God one instance of the day. We would lose our own salvation, but... Praise God. He doesn't allow us to lose our salvation. Because you are sealed for eternity. And he's the one that keeps you and sustains you on a daily basis. This is important because without the Holy Spirit in you, you cannot discern what is good from evil. And you can't walk in this world. It will overpower you. God doesn't need us. But we need God. We don't save ourselves. God saved us. It's to His glory alone. It's only His work in the heart. He's the one who caused you to be born again. He's the one who drew you out of your sin. And it's Him who's going to keep you until the day we go home. We take no credit. Man is sinful and God is holy. This is a holy God. He sent his son to die for us. And raised from the dead so that we may have eternal life. Man is dead in sin. God is life. He's the one who gave us life. Let me ask you a question. Let me go back to the opening. Do we understand our motives and intentions of our actions? Furthermore, do we see the difference of darkness and light of darkness and light? Do you see where I'm trying to get at here? Do you see where we were in darkness and where we are now in light? He who began a good work will bring it to completion from start to finish by his grace. We are justified by the blood of Christ. We are sanctified daily by the Holy Spirit. And one day to be glorified in a new glorified body in heaven. Do you see his work? Yes. 
that his sovereign grace upon your soul. It's all upon his sovereign grace. If we could get uh, Philippians 2.12 up there. Excuse me. Therefore, my beloved. You see that? My beloved. Compassionate. My beloved. My brothers and sisters. It's heartfelt. As you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Just like he... He wrote to the Corinthians, as he's writing here. He, he was absent. And we all have individual lives. And we all have a responsibility to work at our salvation with fear and trembling. We don't just walk in this world foolishly, being tossed to and fro by every wind, by every doctrine. Measure up. Listen to the truth. Know the word of God. It's the only way you can be able to discern carefully. This is an example of Christ. Humility and obedience. Work out means bringing to completion. Not working for our salvation, right? It's God who works in us. He's the one who rescued us. We don't rescue ourselves. We apply God's power of salvation in doing our own part. So it's God who wills us and works in us to do His will. It's possible because of the work of God in us. And we have a desire and a strength to do what is pleasing to Him. We have this power. It's not us in our own being that apply our own strength and our own will. It's God who applies His power and His strength to do His will. That's the only way we can do it. It's the only way we could work out our own salvation with fear. Not a fear of, I'm going to hide in the corner and God's going to hurt me. But no, it's, it's a reverence for Him. It's a love for Him. It's a desire to do what is good and pleasing to Him. It's a holy fear. And we tremble because God is holy. And He says, be holy for I am holy. Quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says, Even if the good seed be sown in you, let it, yet it lies dormant, except he worketh in you to will and to do his own good pleasure. Do you desire to speak for Jesus? How can you unless the Holy Ghost touch your tongue? Do you desire to pray? Alas! What dull work it is useless. The Spirit maketh intercession for you. Do you desire to subdue sin? Would you be holy? Would you imitate your master? Do you desire to rise to superlative heights of spirituality? Are you wanting to be made like the angels of God, full of zeal and or for the master's cause? You cannot without the Spirit. If we go into verse 5 in Second Corinthians... He says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this is about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. 
I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test. An application, some thought for that verse. Are we living like Christians in holiness and righteousness, loving God, loving people, walking in light, love and truth? Do we exemplify Christ? Are we protecting our witness or smearing his name? We have the power of God at work in our hearts. Being that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Holy Spirit, we should desire to do what is pleasing to God. We are born again with new desires, a new nature, the ability to live as God's people and to overcome sin and to not live in it. We need to be reminded what Christ has done for us at the cross and to use that as our motivation for living for Him. Another question. What are some ways to test to see if you are in the faith? Amen. How can the world, the flesh, and the devil have an effect on you in this way? I think Martin Lloyd-Jones really nailed it on this. He says, The new principle of life within you at the center of your being, which controls everything, modified on the surface after. And then he asks, Am I aware of being controlled and mastered by someone or something not myself? Can I say that Christ is living in me and live in the faith of the Son of God? Are you aware of this? That something has been done to you in the depths of your being? Really pay attention to this. I'm going to go into some tests that we could see if Christ is in us. Test one. You're never troubled about yourself in any way. You never run happy. <laughs> Disturbed by some of your actions, conscious and aware of sinful nature, the world, the devil, and the flesh. These are all our enemies. Are you never troubled about yourself? In any way? Are you never unhappy? Or disturbed by some of your actions? Are you discerning your heart? Are you understanding what your thoughts and motives are in every situation in life when you talk to people? At work? Or in school? Or wherever you are? Are you thinking about these things? Are you having insight into your thought life? Test two. You always have a great dislike of self-examination. You preach against it. A violent objection is always an indication of the false. You don't like looking at your own heart. You don't like the way you've been living. You can't stand to hear the word of God convict your heart. You don't like self-examination. You're against it. You object to it. Because your conscience can't bear the truth being spoken to you. Test three. Your life doesn't correspond to your great claims. Do you claim to be someone that you're not? Do your actions reflect the motives of your heart that are pleasing to God? There's some enemy... And I know you all know who he is, the devil, that has a great part in this. He will always swing you to one of these extremes or the other. There's no gray area. 
nothing wrong, never questioning yourself or your actions, confusion, your emotions, you're, you're letting your emotions run your life or physical or psychological, spiritual experiences, you know. Head knowledge being puffed up in your spiritual pride, but yet it's not reflecting in your actions, right? We, we take up Reformed theology and we preach the doctrines of grace. Are we using these doctrines to actually express grace and love towards one another? Or are we using it to condemn people? That's just an example of head knowledge. The enemy tries to rob the joy of the believer. He gives you a false assurance, this false rest, this false peace, this false joy. He's deluding the mind with counterfeit. It's a surface attack. It's a horrid counterfeit. And it's very subtle. This is important to know when checking your heart and discerning these things. Excuse me. Self-satisfied, self-satisfied, rich, and everything going well all the time. But in a tragic position, appearing as the accuser, causing much self-doubt, pity, condemnation, utter horror, accusing of all the sin in your life. You feel terrible about yourself. One extreme or the other, he will try to shake you down in your sin. It says in First Peter... 5 verses 8. He says, Be sober minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. This enemy is real. He will always swing you from one extreme to the other. He will try to rob you of your joy if you allow him. But remember, he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. And if we sin, we have an advocate. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who died for us. He's the one who paid our debt. And him alone. We have to be sober-minded. We got to be watchful. We got to be watchful over our lives, over our hearts. You know when those floods of thoughts come, and it's it's terrible. He reminds you of your past, but that past is gone. There's a new life in Christ. It is I or we that have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but Him who lives in us. And if we've been crucified with Him, we have been resurrected with Him also. He says, resist Him firm in your faith. Take up the shield of faith. And that every believer goes through this. But know this, know this, God is in control. God knows this. He allows these things to happen to test you. When these attacks come, go to the cross and remind the enemy, yes, I am vile, I am wretched, but I've been forgiven of my sin and Christ paid my debt. So you don't have, I don't have to answer to you. You got to answer to him. Amen. Now, the characteristics of the, the true believer. Excuse me.
The Christian is never lighthearted. With a sense of wonderful amazement and surprise. The true Christian doesn't say, Of course I am saved. But he says, Well... It's amazing that I should be saved at all. How did Almighty God look upon me who loved me? You're astonished about it. You're astounded. Two, the humility, a true mark of of the saint is humility. It should not be characterized by self-confidence or boastfulness. And don't get it wrong. We all can struggle with pride. We all can struggle with ego. But really at the end of the day... If we see God in prayer and we just look at what he's done for us on the cross and we just look at our hearts and we discern our hearts and we look at the inner motives of our heart and we say, how can I do that? How can I think like that sometimes? And then I look at Christ and I say, praise God. That'll humble my heart. When I look at what he's done for me, it's always about what he's done. He died for us. It's this conscious, you have this conscious of deficiencies and unworthiness. Reeling how much more there is to possess. How much more we need to love God and love people. Jesus said, if, if you love me, follow my commands. Follow my commandments. And you will know by the love that we share for one another. That's a, a sign of humility. Praise God. People with this false peace know nothing about this. They believe they have arrived. This is also a counterfeit. If we go into verse uh, second in Second Corinthians, verse seven, but we pray to God that you might that you may not do wrong, not that we may appear to have met the test, but that you may do what is right. Excuse me. Though we seem. Though we may seem to have failed, for we cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. This is a prayer of Paul that the it's so the Corinthians have a well-being, and it's not for his own reputation. Amen. He's saying in verse eight not to do anything against the truth. Paul can never act in a way that is contrary to the gospel or to its moral implications. In First John, it says, in. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 1, says, Beloved, beloved, here's that beloved. He's speaking to his brothers and sisters in love. saying, beloved. This humble, loving expression. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Don't we not see this today? All different doctrines out there, the prosperity gospel. Live your best life now. How can we live our best life in a fallen world where we got to fight sin every day? That doesn't seem like our best life now. But really the reality of this is that our home is in heaven. Where we don't got to deal with sin no more. And we're perfect. Co-heirs of Christ. And for eternity, in His glory and presence, we will share that. Some thoughts about this. It's discerning what is true and, and false. There are many spirits in the world today. They are evil and operating through people, non-believers, and some which call themselves believers. Take into consideration the motives of these individuals. Look at their fruits, their works. Test them. Be vigilant as a Christian. Watch who you hang out with, where you go, who's around you. You got to know and test these things. Test 
past them. Look at the fruit of their actions. You may not see the motive in their heart, but God does. But you could tell by the way they act. And does it line up with your Christian beliefs and the way you act? Do they try to lure you in making false promises or giving you a false sense of peace or hope? Measure everything up to the word of God and know it thoroughly. If you are sitting under sound preaching, preaching of the gospel, biblical doctrine, you should be able to identify what is false and true. And the Holy Spirit will help you. Don't ever think you've got to do this alone. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you what is right and what is wrong. And if you are doing things that are wrong, He will convict your heart and He will take you back on the right path. Because we all are bound to go that way. No doubt about it. We will all steer off the path sometimes. And God is so loving and so gracious. He will bring us to remorse over our sin. And we'll love Him and repent. And that's it. Praise God. You're made new. You got comfort again. You got peace. You got joy. That's the life of the Christian sometimes. These spirits come in many shapes and forms. The prosperity gospel. Some healing services that, you know, they just say that you might be healed in Jesus' name, which can very well happen, but they focus on that. They don't, they glorify man. They don't glorify Christ. They bring it, they make, the preacher makes it about them. They don't make it about Christ. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about repentance. Prophecy in some cases. The Lord said this or the Lord said that. And it doesn't line up with the word of God. Being driven by feeling and emotion rather than biblical reasoning to help dictate our decisions. Are you thinking this through the Bible? Or are you letting your emotions dictate your decisions? We can easily be tossed to and fro if we don't have discernment. Which can have a profound effect on our spiritual growth. If we just believe every doctrine we hear. Jesus said, many will come in my name. It says, Matthew 24, 5. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Christ says this. you got to know the Bible. you got to read the Bible. you got to let the Holy Spirit work in your heart by reading the Bible and meditating on His Word and praying, coming to church, hearing good sound preaching even if you don't want to hear it sometimes Vadi Balkum so says if we don't know the Bible if we don't know doctrine if we don't know theology it is vir- virtually impossible to identify false prophets how can we identify these people because they pray they will pray on your desires they will pray on your emotions and you're like a sheep that just walks right to them Because you're getting tossed to and fro by every strange doctrine. Really, these people, whoever they might be, your friend or a preacher, whoever it might be, the motive in their heart is not right towards you. It's not right. Martin Luther, when he was in front of the papacy, I mean standing in front of hundreds of people, and they, they wanted him to denounce Christ and, and his belief. He says, I cannot and will not recant anything. For to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. So help me God. Amen. He knew the word of God, Martin Luther. And in his conscience, he knew he had to discern 
not to give up Christ for heresy and for false doctrine. He knew in his conscience that he couldn't go against the word of God because he had the word of God in his conscience. In James 1, 5, verses through 8, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask a God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. If you lack wisdom, which there's a lot of worldly wisdom that sounds good. It sounds great if you ask me. If you don't think about it, it sounds good. But it will take you on a road to destruction. So we ask God for wisdom. Where do we get his wisdom? In his word. And we pray for it. And he will give it to you generously. He wants you to live. See, the Bible is filled with prophecies. It's filled with fulfillment. It's filled with warnings. It's filled with truth. This is where we get it. God doesn't want us to fall down these these. He warns us. He gives us the Bible to lead us and to dictate our lives. Let's not be double-minded or unstable in all our ways. And in Hebrews 5, 12, verses to 14, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk. Not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. We digest the word. We let it, we eat it. It's our life, it's our source. It gives us truth. We won't be tossed to and fro if we understand the truth. We will have discernment to check our hearts, examine yourselves. We could examine our hearts and we will be able to discern what is good from what is evil. Because we digest the word of God. God says, I will write my word on your hearts. He will write his word on your hearts. He's given you his word. It's alive in you. The Holy Spirit makes this a reality to you. When you read the word, pray. Ask God to illuminate your mind. What is your word telling me? The Holy Spirit will graciously tell you what his word is revealing. Look at me. Look at the Psalms. Selah. He always reflect, David reflected on what he wrote. He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. He reflected on himself. He reflected on his heart. And in 2 Corinthians 13, verses 9, it says, For we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason I write these things while I, may, while, while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of authority that the Lord has given me for building up and not for tearing down. 
Paul is displaying humility as he writes to the church of, of, Corinth, of, of Corinth. He prays for their restoration, to follow Christ, to walk in the Spirit, not to keep falling into sin. Paul doesn't have a desire to be severe. He said, the Lord has given me authority for building up, for building up the church and not tearing down. But he cares. Paul cares. Paul cares about the actions of his fellow brothers and sisters. In Revelation 3:15 to 17 it says, "I know your works. You are neither hot, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth." For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. This is a stern warning to the church in Laodicea. Cold and hot and lukewarm relate to the waters around Laodicea. And Laodicea had to use a long viaduct for its water, which was impure and sometimes foul, making the people sick. The issue here is the possession of genuine life in Christ by those who profess the Christian faith, not the way they hold it. In spite of their wealth, they are wretched and pitiful. Despite their physicians and medicaments for the eyes, they are blind. And in spite of their abundance of cloth, they are naked. Christ is coming back for a church that is without blemish. And without stain. He's, he says, I will spit you out of your, my mouth. We're not here to live a Christian life and to just carry on as we did in our former life. That's not the way to live the Christian life. And we see this going on in America today. Just because I said a prayer means I'm saved. No, the God has to do a work in your heart. He has to cause you to be born again. And you have a new nature. And you have a desire to live holy and blameless. You have a holy fear of God. You live in awe and reverence because you love Him. This is a motive of love. It's all about love. It's why you want to live holy. It's why you want to live for the Lord. So let me plead with you. Let me ask you these questions again. Are we all aware that we now have an insight and increased awareness of thought life? Do you monitor your thought life? And by no means is this easy. It's not easy. But as you grow, as you continue to grow in Christ, as you continue to digest His Word, as you continue to walk in the Spirit, it's a beautiful thing. It's beautiful. Christ loves you. Christ wants you to live holy. He wants you to live in righteousness. It's His. He gives you that power and He works it through you. He wills it for you to do so. You've got the power to do it. And you'll enjoy it. It's not something you're going to dislike. You're going to enjoy it. Holiness and righteousness brings peace and joy and love and so much more to the heart and to your life and to others. That's how people will know that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. When we walk in holiness and in righteousness, 
having a desire to do what is pleasing to God. We know that the Holy Spirit keeps us. We won't fall away. The devil will try to tell you you can lose your salvation. You can't. You've been called. You've been chosen. You are His. Nothing can separate you from Him. You're more than conquerors. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He's always there. He'll always strengthen you. Fear not. You can live this life. It's hard. It's troublesome. There's some days I don't even want to get out of bed. But it's worth it for Christ. Because he died for you. And he rose from the grave. He says, for I consider these present sufferings are nothing compared to the glory that is to come. One day we will be in glory. Together. Face to face. In the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and his holy angels. And we will be praising him and loving him and loving one another for eternity. This is absolute reality. Absolute reality. This will happen. And we get a taste of it now. We get a taste of it now. We taste heaven now. The Holy Spirit is in you. You can live today. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. Which I know most of us are, including myself. (laughs) But God will see you through. He will sanctify you. Delight in Him. Delight in holiness. Delight in righteousness. Check your hearts. See if you're in the faith. Do you you desire righteousness? Do you desire holiness? Are you humble? Are you in awe that you love God? God, how can you have saved someone like me? Praise you, O Lord, for having mercy upon my soul. That I've lived my life for 25 years in rebellion to you and you still. You didn't say what I had to do. What I had to do to earn it. We didn't earn it. He said, come as you are. That's the grace of God. Unmerited favor. We are privileged people. Examine your hearts daily. Think about your thoughts. Sometimes you'll, you'll get rogue thoughts in your mind. Take them captive in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Take them captive. Your thoughts and your emotions don't have to run your life. You can control your thoughts. You can control your actions. You can control your motives. You have the power to do it now by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And He will keep you. And He will love you. He will cherish you. You are the apple of His eye. He knows all the hairs on your head. He knows your life from the start to finish. Seek Him. Seek Him daily. Read the Word daily. Meditate on the Word daily. We all need to preach this to ourselves daily. Praise God. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for um, another Sunday that we can come and worship you in spirit and in truth. Father, I just thank you for all that you do for us. I thank you that you keep us, that you sanctify us, that we can rely upon you, Lord, that nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ, that we know... We can count on you. We know that you will work out everything for us, God. You do all the heavy lifting, Lord. 
And we praise you for that. And we thank you for all that you do, Lord. And we just give you honor and praise. And we just thank you for what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. That we can continue to walk in light and love and in truth. God, help us to be vigilant, to guard our hearts, to guard our minds, to guard our souls, to guard our emotions, God. To discern what is good and what is evil. To discern what is spirit of, of truth and what is the spirit of error. That we just feast upon your word. That we may continue to walk in the upward call of Christ. And that we will fight that good fight of faith every day. Until we go home, Lord. We just desperately need you. And we come to your presence today. Boldly, Father God, as children. With humility. That rely upon you. And we just thank you, Lord. For your grace, your mercy, your compassion, and your love for us. In Jesus' name.